We're going to continue today in uh, John chapter 15 on our series called Abide. Last week, uh, we were blessed uh, with, uh, with uh, great testimony and sharing and just really connecting the dots kind of for this idea of joy. And I loved the way that Cindy kind of made it known to us. It was this idea of joy looking different for all different people. And I think this is going to have a similar bent to it. Friendship looks different uh, for all different kinds of people. But today uh, we are going to be in John 15, verses 13 through 17. I hope today is kind of a connecting of dots. Uh, This was supposed to be my last sermon in John 15. It's not. We're going to preach today. Sean's going to give a testimony next week. And I really want to wrap it all together one more time because there's so much fruit to be taken away from John 15, this whole idea of abiding in God's Word. We've been a lot of different places, but let's read again. And I apologize. I feel like I do this. I definitely do this every single Sunday. Someone reads and I read it again. I have to read it out loud. So you're just going to have to bear with me. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know his master's doing. But what I have called you, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you, you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that we will love one another. Amen. And so we've had kind of four different perspectives throughout this entire John 15 series. We started out talking about this pruning. It wasn't the best because it kind of got to our inner core. What things have God pruned from your life? God, the Father, is the vine dresser. We saw Jesus as the one who's able to make fruit grow in your life. He is the grower of good things in you. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit growing in that way. And then we progressed to talk about this love that Jesus shows us and how it really manifests in the deep forgiveness that we receive from Jesus. And of course, last week we touched on the joy that God brings us and that He looks at us, not with just this obligatory, yeah, these are my people, but this face of joy, unadulterated pureness of joy that He gives us. And so we get to John 15, the verses that I just read, and we have all this strong language throughout, over and over again. He's talking about loving. And then all of a sudden he talks about friendship. And that made me pause. It made me pause because when we look at these words over and over again, John 15, 9, it says it this way, As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. And again in John 15, 13, This is my commandment, that you love one another is I have loved you. And I'm not going to go deep into this, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but this word that, that's being used here is this agape love, right? This selfless, undying, pretty much only from God, really, and how its form and function is, is God giving to us. This altruistic love. Over and over again, love one another. Love others as I have loved you. Agape each other. But then it kind of shifts gears to this friendship speak. And as I'm reading this, it almost, for me, I'm like, Jesus, are you stepping back a little bit? You're talking about this agape love, and now you kind of transition to this phileo, friendship love. This kind of familial love, this Philadelphia, right? Brotherly love, love. Is he stepping back? Are we just now friends? What happened to this godly love you were talking about? 
I don't know why it's easier to, for me to imagine this godly, far-off, distant, unattainable love than it is for me to imagine this friendship love that he's talking about. I don't know, maybe I'm projecting. But to me, it's easier for me to see that in reality than the friendly love that he's talking about here. The familiarity wants to make me pause. But it shouldn't, right? It really shouldn't make me pause. It shouldn't make you pause because Jesus' actions up to this point Over and over again, he's showing his friendliness, his kinship to his people. Jesus wants to be known as a friend. And that really made me pause because if you were to read John from start to finish, you have these great declaratory statements. I am, right? Nod your heads if you're with me. I am. We we read at the very beginning, he says, I am the true vine. He talks about himself saying, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. All these great kind of grand images of Jesus. But not only is he the good shepherd, not only is he the true vine, but he wants us to know him and to be known as a friend. That's big to me. The great I am, this, this, this word incarnate in Jesus saying I am all these things also wants you to know that he is a friend. And so for me, it's easier to kind of think about it in terms that I understand, to kind of connect more to Jesus, the friend. So this morning, I want you to think about some of the friends that you've made in your lifetime. Some of your greatest friends that you've been able to have. I'm going to give you a few of my friends that I've had over the years. My very, very first friend, and I had this conversation last night with my family. My very first friend, my best friend in the entire world was my sister. I am so, so lucky to have a good sister Uh, She is four and a half years older than me, and she is absolutely my first friend, my best friend. Uh, It's kind of crazy when you're the younger sibling. A lot of times you have those sibling rivalries. My sister, I never really fought. One time, maybe that's a story for another another sermon, Uh, but uh, I'm not going to tell that story. But we fought maybe once or twice our entire lives. And being the younger sibling can be tough because sometimes you just want to hang out with your older sibling. They're like, get out of here, loser. But when she got her driver's license, she was like, come on, loser, we're going somewhere, right? She would take me around with her. She would go to the movies with her friends and bring me with her. That was very cool to me. She's the one who taught me how to read. She's the one who taught me so many things in life. We have the same humor, same taste in music. She was my first best friend. And last night as we were having this conversation with the kids, we're like, you know, like Jay and Madeline, you guys are kind of like best friends. And Jay's like, she'll never be my best friend. <laughs> they don't understand it yet. Because I didn't understand it until much later in life how close that me and my sister were and still are. I think about my best friend that I made in college. His name's Kevin. And he's come and visited me a few times. Just most recently, we went to a big Survivor watch party up in Rockledge together. He flew all the way from Texas to come hang out with me and some Survivor contestants. It was awesome. Uh, but beyond that, we've experienced so much of life together. We were college roommates. And it's one of those guys where we became such fast friends, it's not even funny. And Harding has the ability to do that, the friendship microwave of Harding. But our friendship just started, and I found a brother that day. I never had an actual flesh and blood brother. I have some, some brother-in-laws that I consider to be my brother's. Uh, but he was my first, like, brother from another mother kind of situation, right? And we just had so much in common, so many things. We share our fears, our dreams, the things we hate, the things we love. 
fast friends. And to this day, we talk almost every, every other day. And I think about one more friend, and you guys can kind of roll your eyes at me if you want, but beyond my sister and my best friend, Kevin, Michelle is really my best friend. My wife is my best friend. And I know that's lame to say. I'm not trying to get brownie points. She's not even here. She doesn't listen to my sermons usually. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not trying to say that for anybody, but she is, we met in high school. And, you know, we broke up a couple of times along the way. Uh, but after three months of dating her, I knew that we were going to be married. And maybe that was a foolish 16-year-old talking, or I was just really wise for a 16-year-old. Uh, but we just, again, connected on so many different levels. The person I share everything with, my fears, my dreams, my wants, my, everything that I possibly could need, she knows. And, and likewise, it's the sharing, this communal sharing. And I hope as I've gone through the different relationships that you have been able to see the different relationships in your life. And I really wanted to highlight three very different kinds of relationships, right? A sibling, a, a best friend, a spouse, and just how different those relationships are while also having a very similar component. And when I really thought about those relationships, the thing that kind of came down to the, what, what tied them all together was this idea of compassionate understanding. That not only does this person see me for who I am, they see me for who I want to be, they see my flaws, they see everything in between there, and they say, I compassionately understand you, and I want to be in that world with you. That is a good friend. And, and I've been so blessed to have many good friends. I don't have time to talk about all the friends that I've had in my life that I kind of share this with, this compassionate understanding, but it's this idea of being known by somebody and knowing them. It's not a one-way street. There's this mutual giving of each other, deeply caring and investing in one another's lives. These friendships make these words much more significant to me, and maybe they will to you. This is Jesus speaking. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. This mutual sharing, this compassionate understanding that Jesus has been on this road with these disciples for so long. He's saying, forget all of these hierarchies that we're talking about. You are not my servants. We are friends. This mutual sharing, and I believe these words don't just go to the disciples that he's speaking to, but they extend far beyond that to us today. This is how Jesus wants to be known to us as friends. And logically, we can say, sure, Jimmy, you know, I have a friend in Jesus. There are all these songs we can sing about that, you know. I'm not going to do it. But you know what I mean. We can logically understand these words. But how does this look in our lives? How does it look to actually have a friend in Jesus? Jesus, again, wants to be known as our friend. So we ought to make the, the journey to seeing him that way, right? How does it actually look to have Jesus as a friend? And really, it's really important to get this because he ties this whole idea of friendship at the very, very beginning of these verses to his eventual death, if you remember that, right? In John chapter 15, verses 13 through 17, greater love has no other than this, to lay one's life down for one of his friends. And then he goes to talk about friendship. And then later he dies. How much more do these words mean when the thing that he says is going to come true does come true and he fulfills all of it? It should make you say, wow. 
not only do I know I have a friend in Jesus, I know, right, in my heart that I have a friend in Jesus because what he said came true. Sorry, I didn't put that up on there. You are my friends if you do what I command. I didn't actually have that verse. This is my next point. Okay, but we fast forward here. We have all this can be true. We can all know this to be true. But then I read this, this verse right here in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And so I read all the things in 13 through 15, and I'm saying, yes, Jesus wants to be my friend. And then 14 is in the back of my head saying, okay, this, this makes me want to pause again. Because if my, friends, if, or if my kids came home from school one day, and they said this to me, what do you think my response to them would be? That person's not your real friend, right? If, if, a, if a person at school comes up to you and say, you can be my friend if you do what I, com- if you, do what I command you to do, I would say, get new friends, right? This should make you pause a little bit. Because am I saying, Jesus, you want me to know you as a friend, but only if I do what you say? That seems a little bit like brooding lordship, right? And not in a good way. But it sounds, it it all sounds so conditional. My friends... You can be my friends if you do what I command of you. It sounds so conditional. But the thing is that it's only conditional if the roles are truly imbalanced, right? If the roles are truly imbalanced, then this statement becomes a lot less good for our friendship with Jesus. Because Jesus says this, but he shows us exactly what it's like to be a friend and to do what he commands us to do. Not too long ago, if you have your Bibles open, if you just skim John chapter 13 you see what Jesus does to show his friendship to his disciples. He washes their feet. He takes off his outer robe, dips it in water, and washes their feet. Later on, he's going to say, if you follow my commands, do what I say. My greatest command is to love one another. Right? He's not expecting very much of us. So when we read this and the world reads this and they say, wow, Jesus, you are saying all these things. There's no way, that's no, there's no freedom in that. The only reason that they're saying that is because they don't know how much of a friend Jesus has already been to them in their lives. It's not imbalanced. So what Jesus is calling us to do is something he's already done far greater than we could ever do. You with me? Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for his friends. Jesus can check that off. Not many of us can. Jesus shows us what a friendship looks like. And so, yes, it is conditional because Jesus expects us to live into that standard. Jesus expects us to live that lifestyle. He says this in 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 John 15, 17. These things... He makes it very clear to us what we are to do. It shouldn't surprise us at all because all good friends have expectations, right? Every friendship that you have in this world, there is an expectation imposed on you. If we didn't, that wouldn't be a friendship. I, there, there are a handful of people that if they called me and said, I need you here this week or I need you here today, I would do everything in my power to, to be there for them. And I'm sure there are those people for you in your life as well. If my sister called me and said, Jimmy, I need you to drive to Virginia today, if nothing else was, if my family was okay, I'd be gone, right? And she would do the same thing for me. 
There is this balance to this friendship. There is an expectation that says, I will be there for you and you will be there for me. That's what we're talking about this morning. And that's the friendship that Jesus is trying to show us. But you see, the world wants to take this and say, look, Jesus says this command. If you don't do what I say, then you will never know my love. The thing is that Jesus showed us for all eternity what love actually looks like. He did it already. Now we have to live into that. That's what we're being called to. There's no domineering lordship in that way. It's a lordship of friendship saying, I showed you how to do it. Now follow me. Do what I command you because I already did it. Good friends always have expectations. All close relationships do. To friendships, this is kind of the crucial part of being a friend, right? Is showing up and being there for each, for each other. And when I look at this and I look at all the friendship talk that Jesus is talking about, it really seems that friendship is really important to the kingdom of God. And friendship is really important to the local church and to the community at large. If we are not friends together, we are not going to do much for the kingdom on earth. I don't think we will. We can as individuals, we can as a, as a collective church not really knowing each other. We can do good acts by raising money and giving it to the community. But if the people don't see the church being friends together, why would they want any part of it? If we truly say that Jesus is our Savior and we look at all the things that he did and the things that he showed us to follow in his footsteps and we're not doing them, there's no appeal to being here. I'm sorry to say that. We're worse than the YMCA. We're way less fun. <laughs> If we're not friends. So my question is that I want us to wrestle with is how can we see our friendship with Jesus more clearly in our lives? Maybe you're like me and you wrestle with this idea. I can get the godly love that's kind of far and distant, but this friendship thing is too, too much for me. Jesus, again, wants to be known as a friend. So how can we see our friendship with Jesus more cl clearly in our lives? The first thing is to connect more with the personhood of Jesus. What I mean is the humanity of Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had a conversation this week with a student talking about this very thing. If we want to be friends with Jesus, we have to know who he is, right? If we want to know Jesus, we have to actually go to the Gospels and see how he moved and acted about the world. We cannot be Bible-less Christians and just know Jesus for the sake of knowing Jesus. We won't. It's like I can sit here and watch a documentary about whoever, and I can know things about them, but I didn't walk with them. And you could say, well, Jimmy, it's the same thing as reading your Bible. But if we look at the Bible as an active and living and breathing thing that has the ability to change hearts and minds, when you read these words, you're walking with Jesus. And you get to not only, not only know Jesus, but his spirit. And you say, wait a second. The spirit is walking with me as I walk through this. There is a deeper knowing as we walk through the gospel, seeking the personhood of Jesus, saying, how can I be your friend? How can you shape me? How can you prune me? How can you make these things grow in my life? The person of Jesus does it over and over and over again in the gospels, but so many Christians don't know about it. So many Christians aren't spending time with Jesus, imagining themselves saying, what would I do if Jesus healed a blind man in front of me? How would I react to Jesus saying these certain things to the Pharisees? How would I do these things? And I think when we connect to the personhood of Jesus, we get to know him better. And this is also a plug for our Wednesday night Bible study that me and Sean are going to be leading. It's going to talk a lot about the personhood of Jesus. Who was he as a man? Because we truly believe that he's fully man and fully God. We want to lift up the God part. We don't really know the man part very well. 
Let's get those two things together and see that friendship and how it can impact our lives. The second thing is to seek friendship with people at church. And this might be obvious. And I want to, I'm going to go grab one of these cards real quick. And I'm not trying to guilt you guys into this. I, I promise I'm not. But I really hope there's no cards up here when I'm done. And I hope everybody signs their name. And when you sign your name, you put it in that box. And, I, and, and not just for the sake of serving, but I hope you're excited about this kind of thing. I'm just going to read this really quick. This is an activity leader. All you have to do, I'm not going to get super specific here, but lesson plan and all materials are provided by Michelle. Bring tw- There's two 20-minute sessions. You're going to be doing a craft with the kids, and you're going to be around our students. It's not like you're just going to be there, and you're just going to be a person in the room, but you're going to be interacting, talking with. There's going to be other adults in the room. You're going to be here, hopefully, having a meal with us at 6 o'clock as well. All those things collectively build together to where you can actually be friends with the people you go to church with. I always say to the youth group kids, it works if you work it. It hurts if you don't. So work it because you're worth it, okay? Work it because it actually works. If you show up, it works. Because people all the time say, well, I don't want to go to that because I don't know anybody. I don't want to go to that because so-and-so is not going to be there. You're never going to know anybody unless you go and do something. You're never going to know anybody unless you show up to stuff like this. And you're thinking, well, I I just go to church there on Sunday and then I leave. You're not part of the church. I'm sorry. I I hope that's not strong language. That's like mean. But if you're not actively a part of the church, you're not part of the church. Jesus is calling us to go and do. Not come and sit, listen to a guy like me talk for 30 minutes and leave. That's not church. That's, that's a borderline average sermon. That's all you experience. Church happens so much outside of these walls, and I, I don't want to make this a whole other sermon, but that's how you make friends, guys. That's how you make friends, showing up and being a part of even the things that you're like, I don't, I don't know anything about kids. You don't have to. Just show up and try. And I know this is just an example, and, it, and it's kind of coincidence that it happened today. We have these... But it's a great example. Maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I don't know. And I, I do get fired up about this because so much of youth ministry, I've experienced people just saying no to things because it's the last thing on their agenda. I, I'll, I'll come if nothing else turns up. And it's not just youth ministry, it's the whole church. I'll show up if nothing else is going on. And I want to call us to a place to where Let's not make it the last priority. Let's make it the thing that we're excited to be a part of. Bring your gifts, bring your talents, bring your troubles, bring your champions, bring everything. Whole church doing church things together for the name of Jesus. And that's how these friendships are bonded and how, they're, how they grow and how these things happen. And I could go into further and further de- detail, but I see the example of Jesus And I walk away from 13 through 17 of John chapter 15 saying friendship is very important. And the church is going to know Jesus through the friendships that we have in here going out into the world. Let's make it important. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm I'm fired up about this. And uh, it's one of those things that I was so impacted by a youth group that just cared and loved for each other. But it wasn't because we had cr- crazy, awesome programs. It wasn't because we had a fun thing doing all the time. But it was just because 
We knew each other because we did stuff together randomly. And the church is the same way. We get to know each other by doing random things together, by putting tables away, by setting up the church, by breaking down and setting up all these different things, by serving together, by doing concessions, by doing Wednesday night, all these things. That's how we get to know each other. And those relationships, they grow deeper and deeper. The roots grow deeper and deeper. And from that, God, you are making things grow. Help us to see the importance of these Because if we truly believe that these John 15, these, these verses are important, friendship is deeply important to the kingdom of God. Help us to realize that in our lives as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs at all, we want to invite you to come forward. If you're saying, you know what, I want to be involved, but I don't know how, we got plenty of places to get you involved. And if you're thinking, Jimmy, all you ever do is talk about Bayside. Guess what? That's where I'm at. That's five minutes from my house. And I chose that school because it was close to my house. You guys have schools close to to your house. You guys have events and places and people close to your house. Grab a couple people and say, come with me. That's all it takes. It doesn't have to be from a guy like me or Pat or Jeff or an elder or, or, or Michelle or whoever saying, hey, church, come together. You guys are the church too. These friendships start here. They grow in those places. Start doing something for the name of Jesus, right? If you have any needs at all, we want to invite you to come forward. If you have any prayers or, or anything that you need prayers over at all, we want to invite you as well. But I encourage you to talk to somebody today as we stand and sing.